Okay, well, good evening, everybody. It is Wednesday night, June 24th, uh, 2020, and this is the, uh, the weekly commentary for the Intrinsic Value Wealth Report newsletter. Um, so uh, this is from the June 15th uh, weekly commentary, but as you know, we always have a little update to that um, you know, in, in, in like this week here, so June 24th, for example. So this was an article I wrote, um, not so bullish, but still overvalued. And the idea here was that we've been asking for quite a number of weeks, um, you know, how, how is it that the news is seemingly so bad um, in terms of what's going on with the coronavirus um, and the economy, but yet the market is performing seemingly so well. And so, um, so here, here's the comments on that. Um, and, and by the way, just as a little update, um, you know, the, the coronavirus situation is actually getting worse. I've been saying for weeks, several weeks, as you know, um, from these past commentaries, I've been warning um, that, you know, we're opening up too soon. Um, the, the coronavirus situation is not getting any better. Um, and, um, and it's having very, you know, dire effects on the economy. Well, that hasn't changed. And in fact, coronavirus situation has actually gotten a little bit worse because um, as the, the, the health experts, Dr. Fauci and um, the head of the CDC, I can't remember his name now, have been telling us, you know, the, 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 I mean, as, as we open up, then you know, people are socializing more. They're not being as careful as they should. Uh, restrictions have been relaxed. And as they've been predicting, as I've been predicting, uh, the coronavirus cases have been going up. By the way, this isn't rocket science. Um, if you have any basic understanding of, of the numbers and you just look at them, this is a real easy forecast to make. I mean, for me to say that the coronavirus cases will go up, you know, I've been forecasting in many different fields um, and disciplines for a lot of years. And this is some of the easiest forecasts to make because look, it, it doesn't involve any human emotion. We're talking about a virus, okay, which is completely agnostic, it doesn't care who you are, what you are, um, it affects everyone equally, um, and it's out there, okay? And if we, you know, do the things we're supposed to do, the social distance, and, you know, uh, wear masks and all that kind of stuff, it, it won't be able to get to us. If we don't do that stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't care. It, it, it gets to us. I mean, it's just a virus, right? And um, so that's been a, and, and, and so you can look at the trends that have been happening, and you know, just walking around and seeing what people do and what they don't do. Again, this has not been a difficult thing to forecast uh, for me. And it's, it's, and of course, I rely upon a lot on Dr. Fauci and, and others that are studying this more than I am, uh, and relying upon their numbers. Um, so, so we shouldn't be surprised about what's been happening, uh, at least with the coronavirus. Well, so let's let's look at what's happening with the market. And by the way. On the effect on the economy, of course, has been fairly predictable too. Again, um, when businesses have been shut down, it's it's not too difficult to say, well, you know, that's that's going to affect the economy negatively on a global basis. Coronavirus too is on a global basis. Um, so, you know, when you shut down things as much as you have, um, you you just got to know that there's going to be a negative effect on the economy and there, on the global economy, and there has been. again, so no surprises there. 
the surprise is, is well, what you know, what's happening? What's going on with the market? Because the market has has actually been um, uh, been going up now, crashed down a lot. Uh, of course, um, it hit a low. It went from a from a high point in February to a low point in March, and now it's come back up. You know, not quite as high as it was in February, but it's come up, come back up quite a bit. Why is that happening? What's going on? So, in this commentary, not so bullish, but still overvalued, I've tried to explain a little bit what's going on. Um, now, since I wrote this article, it's also become apparent. So, I just want to mention that at the outset. It's also become apparent that um, there's been a little bit more participation from other stocks in this market rally, but we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. So, well, you know, let's let's look at the markets. That's really kind of point of this article is to look at, at the markets and and, um, and what is the market, okay? Um, because I a lot of people really don't understand when we say the market. I don't think they really um, oftentimes understand what the market is. Well, um, and there isn't just one market, by the way, um, or one way to measure the market. So the average investor, when we talk about the market, we talk to, we often talk about Wall Street versus Main Street. Okay, so um, Wall Street, Wall Street's obvious, but Wall Street includes you know, institutional investors, professional investors. Main Street is just the average Joe, if you will, okay, um, and uh, the average person and, and, and businesses, you know, that are just just you know functioning in the regular economy. Um, so if you ask if you ask Main Street, the average person on the street, what's the market? Um, they are probably thinking what they hear on the news a lot. They're probably thinking the Dow Jones Industrial Average because that's what's more often than not quoted when we, when we say the market was up such and such or was down or whatever it was. Usually they're talking about the Dow, Dow Jones Industrial Average. Well, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is. Um, is a uh, an index is invented by Charles Dow back in I think the late 1800s. Um, it's one of the it was one of or probably the first stock market index. Um, and the Dow Jones Industrial we call it the Dow 30 um, is just 30 stocks, 30 large industrial companies. Um, and it is a that doesn't this isn't going to mean much to you right now, but it's a price weighted index. Okay, so that's just a, a point to. Uh, uh, to know again, we're not going to talk about that much tonight. Um, but you know, only 30 stocks and only and only industrial companies. Um, one might say, well, that's not really a very good gauge of all the you know hundreds and thousands of companies that are that are you know traded in, in, in the public markets. So a better gauge that has been used and is used more by institutional investors and and almost um, well, I won't say exclusively, but institutional investors tend to rely upon this gauge more. That's the Standard & Poor's 500, the S&P 500, we call it. And the S&P 500 is the 500 largest companies um, that are traded in the um, uh, that are traded on the um, oh, let me see here, the um, Okay, 500 largest U.S. public trade companies. Okay, um, now, in addition to the S&P 500, which the 500 largest companies, you can also have the S&P 400, which are the mid-cap companies, 
uh, S&P 500, or large cap, large capital, we say large capitalization companies. And there's the S&P 400, which are mid capitalization companies, and the S&P 600, which are small cap companies. Um, well, if you add all those up, that's, S that's the S&P 1500, which is almost like never quoted, but there is actually an S&P 1500 index. Um, that'd be a little bit better gauge of the market. Another, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to look at the market. I put the market in parentheses or quotation marks. Another way, other ways to look at the market would be, sort of, for example, the Wilshire indexes. Um, you know, some of them have as many as 4,000 stocks. So that's probably a better gauge too. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about the S&P 500 because, um, again, that's an often used gauge. It's one that's used by institutional investors a lot. And it's, it's, it's one that we see uh, every day um, and it's easy enough to look up. And we've, we've been seeing that it's been going up a lot um, as part of our, our valuation that we do every week. Um, uh, you know, we quote both the Dow, the Dow 30 and the S&P 500. Well, <clears throat> so the S&P 500, those 500 large cap stocks have been going up. Well, so what's, what's the deal here? Well, one partial explanation is the fact that there are five companies which dominate that index, the S&P 500. Those five companies are um, Apple Computer, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, and Facebook, all right? Well, those five companies are doing very, very well in this environment uh, for obvious reasons. They're technology companies, they're companies that people are using a lot, that we're looking at for the future um, because they, they are the future, right? Uh, so many of the old companies um, uh, are, are having difficulties. Many companies are going out of business, um, but these companies are benefiting, uh, well, actually even benefiting from, from the coronavirus situation in many cases. Um, again, for obvious reasons. If you look at the current market capitalization of those five companies as a part of, as being a part of the S&P 500, they currently make up somewhere around 20% of that index, okay? So you can see when those companies are doing well, um, and if they make up 20% of that S&P 500 index, then the index is going to perform proportionally well because of that. And that, in fact, is what's happening. Now, um, what, the, what I mentioned a few minutes ago is that other companies in the S&P 500 are also starting to, uh, uh, to improve. Um, and, and that's a little bit troubling because, um, you know, again, the, the coronavirus is not getting any better yet. Um, and the economy is in very, very bad shape as I've been uh, documenting and trying to tell people about here in the last, um, last two or three months. Um, so I guess to, uh, uh, and, and by the way, I did want to say that this is not, this is an overvalued market. So one of the uh, valuation metrics we use, uh, let me, by the way, uh, this commentary is going to be a podcast, but I want to show you guys, you can look at the commentary. Um, I'll try and describe this. So if I go down to the stock market valuations, and we click on that, we open that up. And I do this every week. Um, so again, for our reader, for our, the listeners of the podcast that, that aren't looking at the, uh, the actual written part of the commentary, um, let me give you the PD ratios. So 
going back to April 30th, I don't have on this particular screen um, going back into March, but on April 3rd, which was you know not too far after the, the bottom of the market, the PD ratio was a, I will say a healthy 16.19, okay? So that, um, and you guys, I think the class, I hope you can, uh, you can see this. Um, can you all see this, by the way? You can see my screen, right? Somebody? We can see. Okay, thanks. Um, so um, so the, the, the PDE ratio, you guys are finance majors, you probably know what the PDE ratio is, the price of the stock divided by its earnings, and it's a good valuation ratio. They talked about that in the video we watched earlier tonight. Um, so it's one of, the, one of the many gauges that we can use to value the market. Um, and so when the ratio is low, that means that for any dollar of earnings that that the price of what you're paying for a dollar of earnings, when that ratio is low, you're paying a lower price for those earnings. That's what you want, okay? That's, that's a value situation. So um, in other words, in this case, um, you're paying for every dollar of earnings, you're paying 16, you're, uh, in, in, for the S&P 500, or this is actually the Dow. For the Dow, you're paying 16 times uh, dollars worth of earnings uh, on average, okay? Over time, the ratio has been 15 to 18. Um, and I compiled these numbers again, looking through many different sources over long periods of time. And you know, a fair value range uh, for that seems to be in about the 15 to 18 range. I'm gonna show you another chart here in a minute, um, which really drives this point home as well. So um, as, as, we mentioned, as was mentioned in the video we watched earlier, uh, and for podcast listeners, I'm gonna post uh, a link to that, that video um, uh, to the social media. So uh, so look for that or shoot me an email if you want to see it and I'll, I'll make that available to you. Um, okay, so that was on April 3rd, just after the, uh, the low point of the market in March. Um, finally, after many years, the market got down to really a pretty healthy valuation level. So we were in that 15 to 18 range. Um, well, <laughs> that was the last of the, of the good news. It's climbed steadily since then. Um, we're now on the Dow at a valuation, a PD ratio of 21. So we're above that fair value range. Um, right before the, uh, the markets, the coronavirus you know, hit us and the markets really started correcting and crashing down, we were at, at valuation PD ratios of about 25. So we're below that here in, in uh, the week of June 5th, we were at about a 20, almost a 23. So we were up in that, that uh, high valuation area. Um, and, but you know, as of June 12th, um, oh, and by the way, as of just this past Friday, June 19th, uh, Dow's about where it was, it's about 21.64. So we're, we're still kind of at this relatively high valuation. Again, that's not a cheap market. Um, look at the S&P 500 ratios. Again, we're 21.81 well above that range of 15 to 18. It's an overvalued market. Um, now the S&P didn't get quite as cheap on April 3rd, but it was still right at the top of the, the fair value range. Um, unfortunately, most of us couldn't get in in time. Uh, we knew that there was good valuations, um, but you know they, they didn't last long, unfortunately. Um, okay, so 
Let me show you, though, uh, this chart, and I'm going to describe it to our to the listeners of the podcast, but you guys that are watching this can see this firsthand. So let's see. We're going to go back to the Intrinsic Value Wealth Report. We're going to go to book number two. We're going to go down to part three. So book number two, part three. This is a chart you should bookmark um, and come back to <coughs> and look at often memorize and just make it a part of your 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 whole being as we you know as as we go forward on the uh, wealth um, blueprint the blue and the wealth codes that we that we talked about as part of our our whole wealth building strategy here uh, this is a chart you should just you should just remember where it is and come back and really look at it because it really tells the entire story I think of, of investing um, if I if I could pick one chart um, to tell the whole story about investing. I think this would be the chart here. So again, it's the Intrinsic Value Wealth Report. I do wealthreport.com, book number two, part three, investing in value. And go down to almost the end, and there's this link here which says the S&P 500 forward PE, S&P 500 forward PE, and annualized 10-year returns. Okay, so if I click on that, there's the chart. Um, so I got this from the, the Wall Street Journal uh, back uh, last year, I think, sometime. Um, this was a chart that was put together by the Federal Reserve, uh, Standard & Poor's, FactSet, um, Hoover's Analytics, uh, Credit Suisse. It was, I think, primarily Credit Suisse that, um, that really directed this project. But boy, does this just tell so much about investing. I remember from that webinar we just watched, um, where uh, Wayne Thorpe was talking about value investing and how over time um, it's, it's you know, performed um, better than growth, growth investing. I mean, as a value investor, I, I support what he said there. Um, and what did he say? It's tons of research or buckets of research. I forget exactly how he said it. But um, anyway, a lot of research supports this. And, and this is just shows in one chart, um, I think, um, you know, how, uh, th that whole point that that value investing. So when we talk about value investing, going back again to the where is my chart? Uh, no, uh, going back to the PE ratios. So when we're investing, when the PE ratios are low, like here in the 18 for the S&P 500 and the 16 for the Dow, those were good PE ratios. You know, that, that, that's that's where that and lower is where you want to be investing. When you're investing at those levels, then you're, you're, you're paying less for dollars worth of earnings. That's called value investing. And that's, um, this, that same thing is shown here on this chart. Now, these, this chart actually uses the forward price earnings ratios, which just means it's using an estimate of <coughs> what the earnings are, whereas the, the charts I just showed you are based on historical earnings. But you know, it, they shouldn't be that far off. They're kind of telling the same story. But to be technically correct, uh, it is better to use, uh, most people would say it's better to use the forward price earnings ratios. But look, look at this. Um, and, and by the way, so what this chart on the horizontal axis shows the forward price earnings ratios. On the vertical axis, it shows the 10-year um, return. Okay, so the return that you would get over the subsequent 10 years. So look at this. If you invest um, 
at these low PE ratios. Uh, for example, if you're fortunate enough, we haven't seen this in a long time, but if you're fortunate enough to, to invest it <clears throat> at P, the PE ratios in the, in the forward-looking range of you know, 5 to 10, your returns over time, by the way, this, this covers all the periods from 1965 through um, uh, December of 2007, so long, long, long history. So during this period, if you could get into these really low uh, times of, of low PD ratios, you had some really nice returns. You know, uh, stock market returns in the you know the, the high, uh, you know, just below ten percent up to fifteen uh, percent. Um, conversely, if you invested during these high PD ratio periods, like we are in right now. Um, you actually had in that subsequent 10 year period of time, you had negative returns. Okay. And look at this scatter plot here. I wish you had the actual data to run um, things like the coefficient determination and so forth in R squared. Um, but you can just even eyeball this from the, uh, from the scatter chart and just see how, you know, how tight that scatter chart is relatively speaking. Um, and, and, and given how tight it is, and just giving a good eye, eyeball visualization of what this chart is telling you, you can almost say that if you're investing now in the market at these high PDE ratios, you can almost really expect to have negative returns. Um, okay, and if you had been fortunate enough to invest it in the back when the ratio when the uh, PDE ratio was in uh, you know even even in the 16 range, um, you. You know, that was a little, still a little overvalued and so forth. But um, in, anyway, I think, like I say, I think this chart really tells the story of value versus uh, growth because growth, growth markets tend to be overvalued, um, whereas the value markets tend to be undervalued. And it's the undervalued situations you want to invest in or the undervalued stocks. So by the way, you know, this is looking at the entire market, but the, but the real point is, is that if you invest in individual stocks, and you can find individual stocks that are in these low PD ratios, then you can um, expect your 10-year returns. So if you build a portfolio of undervalued stocks, that's where the value investing comes in, and that's where you can expect to, um, to have good long-term returns. All right, well, that is it um, for tonight. I promised a, a short commentary. I don't think that was so short, um, but we're going to stop the recording, and we will talk to you next week.